You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for December 12th, 2021, the third Sunday of Advent. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Elizabeth Garnsey. It's based on Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. Last week, Luke's gospel prepared us for John the Baptist's hard-hitting style by quoting the ancient prophet Isaiah, who said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Just as the prophet Isaiah sets up John the Baptist to deliver his fiery words to the crowds in today's gospel, last week, the prophet Peter, in his stirring sermon, set me up to preach today when he called John the Baptist a bulldozer and said, I'd be telling you all about that this Sunday. As soon as our 10 a.m. service was over last week, some of you said to me at the door, we're looking forward to your bulldozer sermon next Sunday. And then I got a text from my mother saying the same thing. Thanks, Peter. No pressure, I said to myself. But maybe because every conversation I have with my eight-year-old somehow leads to the many wonders of heavy machinery, regardless of the subject we started with. Preaching today with a bulldozer in mind, for me, is definitely familiar territory. So here we are the bulldozer sermon that at least a few people have been waiting for. An obvious point to make right up front is this. If what you're trying to do is level every mountain and hill, straighten crooked paths, or make rough ways smooth, nothing beats a bulldozer. And since that leveling of rough terrain is exactly what John the Baptist is trying to affect here in the hearts and minds of the individuals in this crowd, And since this crowd includes soldiers and tax collectors whose vile reputations for fraud and dishonest gain were well known, he plows his rhetorical bulldozer straight into them at full speed. You brood of vipers, he calls them, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. He's calling it like he sees it. He's been offering people a baptism of repentance, that is, a ritual to mark a change of heart and a new direction in life, ethically and morally speaking. But the way he blasts this particular crowd with these opening words, it's as though he detects an ulterior motive. If they think that this baptism he's offering is some kind of magic wand or some kind of talisman to ward off the consequences of their duplicitous ways, they have another thing coming. They're going to have to do the work of change lest his baptism be to them nothing but an empty ritual. And neither can they just claim their status as children of Abraham, as if God's creative power can be manipulated by our tribal categories. You can almost hear the booms and cracks of their heart's rocky soil as the iron plate of John's words slams into them. It's easy to associate the bulldozer with mere destruction and disorder. Those are the fate of everything that comes to its path. But while a bulldozer may be destructive, it's an integral part of creative change to come. Charlie and I have been noticing the progress at the construction site on South Avenue every morning on our way to school, 
where a full array of earth movers shovel and scrape their way to preparing the ground for workers to begin building the New Canaan's exciting new library. And that's the beauty of the bulldozer. Yes, that's beauty and bulldozer in the same sentence. Its work may appear to make a colossal mess of things, but its purpose is to prepare a place for something new. It's the machine that's called in before construction can begin on something that ideally is more useful, more beautiful, and more needed than whatever is in that place now. And what John the Baptist is calling for his listeners to do is to straighten out their crooked ways and plow down their greedy means of lining their pockets unjustly. To their credit, the soldiers and the tax collectors actually listen to John, and they give him what every preacher treasures, a response. These people respond by wanting to take action, by wanting to do something. Even after he's called them a bunch of poisonous snakes, they don't run for the hills, they don't cringe in fear or take offense. Instead, they call him teacher. They know he's right about them, and they ask him to spell it all out for them more clearly. What then should we do? Aren't we all familiar with this longing in one way or another, this longing to know what we should do to straighten out our lives, restore goodness in our culture, repair our broken world? Whether personally, our loneliness, our anger, our failing relationships, our stress, our worry, our discontent, we ask, what should we do? Or collectively, the world's overwhelming poverty, our nation's rampant gun violence, a viral pandemic, a mental illness epidemic, the climate crisis, what should we do? Or institutionally, our dangerous divisions, the lack of trust in our systems, the gross injustices of our economics and our opportunities. What should we do? There's a message for everyone and every institution in John's reply to the crowds and soldiers and tax collectors. Take a look at our way of being. Do we have enough to share with someone in need? Share. That's something we can all do. Take a look at the work we do. Are we doing it justly? Are we clearing the path of opportunity for those who face more obstacles than we do, or cluttering their road with more? That's something we can all consider. Don't abuse whatever power or authority or privilege we might enjoy. Be content with what we have. These are things we can all do to make a difference in our world, your world, everyone else's world. If you heard our podcast this past week, you heard Justin take note of the fact that remarkably, John the Baptist does not encourage the soldiers or tax collectors to look for more respectable, ethically sound jobs. John the Baptist tells them, whatever you're doing with your life, do it with honesty and integrity. Do the right thing in relation to your fellow human being, even when no one is looking or checking your work. 
small gestures, small sacrifices, such as taking only what we need, consuming less, giving a bit more, participating in disaster relief and coat drives and food drives, volunteering, taking stock of our household wastes and finding ways to produce less of it. These are little ways of awakening to our own impact on the needs of others near and far. Remember the run on toilet paper at the start of the pandemic? That serves as a decent icon of the awareness in daily life that I'm talking about. We might think our minuscule choices are inconsequential, but when everyone makes them, they add up to big differences, for better or for worse. We don't always have to uproot our lives or completely bulldoze our entire savings or our security or our freedom to make a difference for someone else. But we do often need the force of an earth mover to help us to take off our blinders or clear out our fixed ideas if those ideas don't allow us to innovate or change or factor in the needs of others. Sometimes only the bulldozer of a wake-up call will help us clear the way to build up some new ideas and frameworks for how to make the world better. Sometimes the ideas we've held our whole lives, the monochrome of our social circles, or the situations we've grown accustomed to, need to be cleared away in order to make way for something more beautiful, more useful, and more needed than what we are experiencing now. And when change begins to scare us, what should we do? This third Sunday in Advent is traditionally called Gaudete Sunday, or Joy Sunday. The pink candle in our Advent wreath reminds us of this. Joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit and the hallmark of the Christian life. So when we put ourselves in the path of the spiritual bulldozer that asks us to change, and it begins to scare us or make us anxious, and we would rather run for the hills, here's what we can do instead. Rejoice. As St. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but pray about everything and make our requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What better words could prepare us to let the bulldozer come clear the way for God to build something new in our hearts. To borrow language from our opening collect, what is stirred up by the proverbial bulldozer of a wake-up call, like the one John the Baptist offers, is the power of God coming among us with great might to assure us and to comfort us that we are not alone neither in our need to be delivered from all the debris and rough places in our lives, nor in the hope that these things can be cleared away in us. Do not worry about anything. The Lord is near. We have nothing to fear. Let the work begin. The great builder, the Christ, is on the way to create in us something new, something more needed, something more useful and more beautiful than we can either ask or imagine.
May that joy be yours this day. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanon.org.